Welcome in to a brand new edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. As a lot of you know, uh, Bubba is still recovering from surgery, and he, he made his way back uh, to the live show for uh, for a little bit. But um, you know, he's still needing some rest as he's recovering from uh, a cancerous tumor being taken from his liver. So it is, uh, it's not a small deal. And uh, as he's working his way back, uh, they do believe they got all the cancer. That's our prayer. Uh, he'll know more uh, next week uh, if there'll be any ongoing uh, treatments. And uh, you can join us and continue to pray that that won't be the case. Uh, but ultimately, he's ready for whatever uh, God has in store, which kind of leads us into today's uh, topic. Uh, Jonathan Evans has been on the Rick and Bubba show before. Jonathan and I have spoke at men's conferences, and uh, and we've just uh, we've had a great time uh, going out uh, and spending time together and trying to reach and disciple men. This book, of course, applies to anyone, not just men. Uh, but it's called Fighting Your Battles by Jonathan Evans. Uh, and Jonathan is joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Jonathan, welcome back, buddy. How are you? Rick, I'm doing good. It's always good to be with you. Yeah, it is. I, I really enjoy it. I, I wish that we were uh, both a little less busy, that we could spend more time together. But when we get time, we make it count, don't we? Yeah, we make it count. We're, we're, we're trying to be a blessing to people, a blessing to the kingdom, and uh, doing it all together as brothers. That's what it's about. Yeah, and, and what else matters? Nothing. And, you know, I, this is a topic, uh, the, the new book is called Fighting Your Battles. And, and Jonathan, I want to start uh, just pitching you this right out of the gate. Your, your family has been through so much. Uh, we love your family. We love the legacy that you guys are building for your kingdom. Uh, but I think sometimes, uh, and, and it's false theology, of course, and unfortunately there's a lot of manipulators out there that, that try to get people to, to think, I won't say believe because it's not true, that if somehow you'll just have enough faith and if you'll just do everything the way God wants you to do it, uh, then you will be exempt from trouble. You'll be, you'll be exempt from sickness. You'll be exempt from death, you know, dying young and horrible tragedies. And, and you, you know, you'll never be poor and you'll never be sick. And, and so, and we know that scripture doesn't say that you'd have to not know scripture to even believe that false theology. But the title I want to take on first, cause I do think, and you talk about this in chapter seven, fighting your battles. I think, first of all, we need, you need to let people and you do in the book, but speak to the fact you need to understand that there is a battle. I, th- I think some people seem to be surprised that battles come, but as you say in the book, uh, if you're going to go beyond just being a believer in the concepts of Jesus and you decide you're going to follow Jesus, he told you to expect battles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a false expectation that a lot of people have because we live in this world where we think that prosperity automatically means you're following Christ. And if you're not prosperous in one way or another, you must be doing something wrong. But the disciples would disagree with that when Jesus said, let's let us go to the other side. And they were being obedient and hit a storm. And they would also disagree with that when Jesus said, go you therefore and make disciples. And they were being obedient. And in the book of Acts, they were getting thrown in jail. Uh, James got stabbed by a sword and, and died in that book. I mean, they experience a lot of turmoil in their obedience. And so Jesus lets you know that to follow me is to actually take up your cross, that there is a uh, that there is some strife with that. There is some 
some hardship with that and they're suffering with that. And Jesus also says, if you're going to follow me and I, your master, have suffered, how much more will you suffer? And so suffering is a part of the Christian life, but it's suffering in the sense, not as a loser, but as someone who's already won. I mean, we have to remember that the victory has already been given to us. So we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. And that gives us a totally different perspective. Why, why do you think, uh, Jonathan, why, why, then why are the health, wealth, and prosperity people, how do they fool so many people? And I, I don't want to sound condescending here because I at one time had this same problem. Do you really think it's just a lack of knowledge of Scripture? You know, I think that that's part of it, but I also think it's it's tickling the ears. It's what people want to hear. It's like Santa Claus on Christmas to a kid. I mean, you have to uh, you get people excited, you get more numbers, you get more influence, you get more followers and likes if you're going to do the song and the dance that the culture wants to see and, and hear. And so it sounds good that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be okay. It sounds great that if you do this this way, this is guaranteed to be the result. And God uh, wants you to be blessed and he wants you to only be at the top of the mountain and he just wants you to be happy. And not that he doesn't want you to be blessed. It's not that he doesn't want you to be happy. It's just that there is another side to the coin. And that is that a lot of your greatest ministry, what God is taking you to, has a lot to do with what he allows you to go through. And if you look in God's word, all the people that God used went through something before they were used, like Joseph in the pit before the palace, Jesus Christ himself going through rejection and betrayal and crucifixion before he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So I think that uh, you, you can't ignore Jesus uh, or you can't think about Jesus and say that it's just supposed to be OK if you look at his, his life by himself. Yeah, that, that really is. I mean, we could, you're, there's so many other examples you're giving some of them. But really, how ridiculous as a follower of Jesus or someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus to think that God did not exempt difficulty on himself when he took on human flesh, his own son, but somehow he will for you. I, I mean, that, that, that really, the, we watch Jesus's example here. I am showing you how to be a man. And I mean that in mankind, but also males, but here I am showing you how to be human. And, and one of the things that's included in that is suffering and difficulty. Uh, you know, as soon as, you know, as soon as Paul gets his ministry, Ananias is told by Christ, go tell this man all he must suffer for me. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> that is a part of the, that was a part of the calling. Go tell this man how much he should suffer for me. And, and Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he himself has not already done. Obviously in the garden of Gethsemane, one of his hardest moments internally where he's trying to decide, man, am I going to go through with this? going through with it and being godly, being God himself, but also obeying the will of his father has to do with the cross. And so his obedience was connected to a cross. Paul's obedience was connected to suffering. And you have uh, many others, the disciples themselves going into the book of Acts was connected to suffering in their obedience and uh, their obedience ultimately uh, got them killed. And so uh, when it comes to that, I'm not saying that the life is supposed to be only suffering. I'm just saying yeah. that as Christians, if you're in the Lord's army, you should expect a battle somewhere. The expecting of the battle. That that's why this book is so important because the thing this book is reminding us scripturally, and you've lived it in your life. I've lived it in mine. Uh, you know, all these we people we've talked about of scripture have lived it. Is that 
God is not silent on this. I, I remember when you know when uh, my wife and I went through the earthly death of our youngest son. You know, one of the things that that my wife did when she wrote her book uh, uh, about a journey to understand, and and she said, you know, if if you if you if you just go into Scripture, you find out pretty quick. And you're saying this in your book too, but but in a different way, that God has never been silent. When you say prepare for battle. It's in the scriptures. He is saying this will be part of the experience until, you know, I fulfill the church age, until the grace age is over and I wipe away every tear and death will be no more, Revelation 21. There'll be no more suffering. Until that time comes, the state is fallen, your flesh is fallen, and I am now refining you uh, to, uh, to, to have maximum impact and, and when I look at a family like yours, and, and I saw what you guys just you know went through with the earthly death of um, of your mother, I mean whether we like it or not, I'm telling you there were people in the world, both in the church and outside the church, that says, "Well, let's see how they walk through this." No, absolutely, and that's you know who wants to go watch a superhero movie that doesn't have a villain or a problem? <laughs> I mean even. Even in that world, the movie's not good unless there's a problem that's solved. Everyone has this salvific um, frame of reference uh, because we're in the process of people being saved or are saved from a massive problem that happened in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible is the same way. Your life also is not even interesting if it doesn't have a villain or a problem. And, and so the reason why God becomes more than super to his people is because they actually were in a scenario where they needed him to be their hero. And so he is the consummate, ultimate superhero of all time. And that means that there's a problem somewhere. And Jesus said, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. You will. So he didn't say you might. He said you will. It's just part of being a part of a fallen world, like you said, Rick. And people often ask the question, why? And the answer is you live in a fallen world, even if it's not your fault, even if it's not something you did. You live in a fallen world. And because you live in a fallen world, you will have fallen circumstances and fallen circumstances are going to cause you to depend on an unfallen God. So I, I want to come back now because I think we've established in this in this first part of the podcast, Scripture is clear. There are battles. There will be difficulty. There will be suffering. That is that is over and over and over. Please don't let anybody tell you anything different. Uh, the, the the process of our sanctification is not trying to make us a better version of ourselves. This pick up the cross means that ourselves die. Everybody who had a cross in the Roman Empire was going to die. They weren't just having a tough, tough day. They were going to die. So this is one of the things that God uses to refine us and transform us into something we weren't before. We, we don't become a better Rick. We become Rick in Christ, Jonathan in Christ. So when we come back, we, we, we're talking about why these things happen. But also, I want to talk about what your book uh, is is really really does a good job of is preparing for the battle. When Rick and Bub University, the podcast continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. We're with Jonathan Evans uh, on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. The brand new book, uh, Fighting Your Battles, Every Christian's Playbook 
for victory. So now let's get into application, Jonathan. Certainly they need to read the book, but we're trying to talk about some of the concepts. We know the battles are there. I think we established that clearly early in in the podcast. But you also talk about, since we know this to be true, there needs to be preparation. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you right off one of the biggest ones that helped me in my personal life, as you mentioned, with all the things that I've gone through, is that I realized that I had to be a steward of the battle and not an owner of the mm. battle. Most people think stewardship is just with your money, just with your materialist, uh, materials or just with your family and how you handle the things that God has given to you. But stewardship is also the battles that come your way, the hardships, the struggles, the grief, the losses, the the pain that you experience in your life. You're called to steward those. You're not called to own those. And I'll tell you why that's important. Number one, Second Chronicles 2015 says, God says, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. So he's letting you know who takes ownership of it. But the reason why this is so important is because if you're the owner, that means you carry all of the burden and you are responsible for the outcome. And if you're responsible for the outcome in a situation that needs God's power, then you're going to have a burden on you that's way too burdensome for you to bear. Mm. And a lot of people are sitting in dark rooms. They're, 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 uh, they're ultimately depressed and anxious and worried about how this thing is going to turn out in their life because they have taken the ownership role in manipulating the outcome and carrying all of the burden. And God is clear. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Okay. And so you're supposed to learn from me. It's a, the illustration is a big ox and a little ox. When he says, plow the field, learn from me, take my yoke. He's saying, I'm the big ox. You're supposed to be the little ox. Now you're still going to be responsible for plowing this field, but you're not supposed to carry the burden. And you're supposed to learn from me out as we plow this field together. And so this ought to lift the burden off of some people to say, you know what? I'm not going to try to manipulate this outcome because anytime I step into God territory, I know because I begin to lose my mind. I begin to lose control of myself. One of the fruits of the spirit, self-control. I begin to lose my patience, lose my loving kindness. I begin to lose my faithfulness. I begin to lose all of those fruits of the spirit. And the reason why is because I bit into a fruit that was too tough for me to chew, which is taking the ownership of this battle and not being a steward of it and giving it over to the God who can actually handle it. Somebody say amen. I mean, it, it, yeah, because you, you look at how many times he's telling this, just like the, the verse you referenced a minute ago, who did he say had overcome the world when he said, we will have trouble? He said, the peace comes from the fact that I have overcome the world. He didn't say you can overcome the world. He said he has overcome the world. I think about John 15, abide in me as I abide in you, and I will produce much fruit in you because apart from me, you can't do anything. And, and, and I think that, and I know for men, Jonathan, and you and I do a tremendous amount of men's ministry, I think for men, but I think there's women that are watching this now or listening to this to have the same problem because you're human as well, and I know I had this problem, is that we believe that we must be able to find a way to conquer this because we'll only depend on God, even if we're a follower of Christ, we'll only depend on God when we, when we have exalted all of the frustration of us trying to fix it because we we sometimes and and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12 and I had to learn this too a lot of times our problem isn't that we're not strong enough it's that we're not weak enough 
And again, God uses these things at times to make us so weak that we have to depend on him. (laughs) He sure does. And I'm telling you, it's a frustrating process to get to where you're supposed to be at the beginning. At the beginning, we're supposed to be dependent. We're supposed to be weak. The Bible commands you don't think too highly of yourself than you ought to think. And the Bible also lets us know that God humbles the proud um, and, and he exalts the humble. And so it's important for us to understand how to go into these battles with the perspective that God is God. I'm not him. And I am facing a problem that's too big for me to solve. But here's the key, Rick, is even if I feel like the problem's small, it's still higher than I think. Mm. I remember mm. I remember when me and my wife, we talk about this in the book. The one of the things I love about the book is be, it has QR codes in it. Every three chapters is a QR code you can scan and watch the video of me and my wife talking about our miscarriages awesome. or me talking about our losses. So we want to walk with you through the book and it's interactive. But one of the things in there is our miscarriages. Me and my wife have four miscarriages. And I remember we had had victory in our first two children. So we had two children, no miscarriages. And so when it came to the third, we just decided, all right, let's have another child. So we we had had victory so that victory made us think that this is a small thing that we can kind of control on our own. And victory made us independent. It didn't make us dependent. It made Mm. us independent. And so when it was time for the third child, we had two miscarriages in a row. And all of the sudden, I mean, we went to the doctor. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to do it our way. Then we had another miscarriage. So now all of a sudden we're back on our knees. All of a sudden we realize, oh, this thing is a God thing, not a us thing. That's right. Um, that these are his children, not first our children. Um, and so we realized that even something we thought we could control was actually much higher than we think. And we, we had to put ourselves back in a dependent position. Well, well go, go to Second Corinthians. Why is Paul dealing with this thorn in his flesh? Because he had been taken up to the third heaven. And, 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 and all this incredible work is being do, done by God, not Paul, through Paul's ministry. And Paul says, I've gone to the Lord about this thorn in my flesh. We don't know what it is. Uh, certainly, we all may, I think it was written that way by the Holy Spirit so we can apply it to, to whatever we're dealing with. There's a lot of speculation, but we don't know. But it was so miserable that, that it said a demon had been assigned to him to harass him about it. And, mm. and I've asked the Lord three times to remove this, and this is the part that your book unpacks really well about, and my wife, when she was taking this on, we got to stop acting like that God didn't answer any of our questions. He, we are, well, he's bigger than us, but let's at least access what he has allowed us to know, okay? And, and, and so Paul says, he hasn't removed it from me, but he doesn't say he doesn't know why. He says, I know why he won't remove it, and you just talked about it. With, with, we have too, too much victory. We have to watch ourselves because it keeps me humble. He doesn't say, I don't know why it's here. He says he's doing this to keep me humble and to remind me that his grace, because remember Paul was, was persecuting the church and, and killing the followers of Jesus. Now he is one of us, and he's saying, look, I know the sin that I had, and I don't ever get too high and mighty and forget how gracious God has been. So he's using difficulty, and he could remove it, but he's using it to keep me humble. He doesn't. He's not confused on why it's happening, and he says, and remind me about the grace I've been given, that that's sufficient. So I celebrate calamity. I celebrate difficulty because when it makes me weak, that's when I'm strong. That's exactly it. And that's why one of the reasons why God allows it, consider it joy when you face various trials, because it's producing 
a perseverance and not an entitlement. Uh, a lot of times, you know, what, what I do with my kids is that I give to them, I give to them, they get victory, they get victory, but then it just makes them more entitled. When I uh, make them, you know, cut the lawn, do the things they don't like to do, go make up this, do this, be responsible, take care of this. I know you don't feel like it, but I still want you to walk like this. When I put them in this, those positions, they may be frustrated, they may be struggling, but they're not entitled. They realize that there's some work that they have to do to experience the other side and the promises that I may be making about the end of the day. And so I think that we got to remember that our relationship with our father is very similar to our relationship with our kids and our relationship uh, with our parents. And nobody makes it good for everybody all the time. <laughs> They'll allow you. And I've allowed my kids to go through some things that I knew would not be the best for them, but I allowed them to let that play out so that they can learn um, how to continue to be more responsible for the advancement of God's purposes in their life. And God does the same thing uh, to us. He keeps us humble. Uh, he keeps us depending on him uh, because the Bible lets us know over and over again, cast your cares upon me. I will sustain you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on you, but lean on me and I will make your path straight. So all of these verses are saying, I will give you rest. I will bless you, Genesis 12. God is saying, I will take responsibility as the father, but I'm not gonna take responsibility if you would rather be God instead of me as an irresponsible kid. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes what you're saying, uh, we it, it, it's, it, it's not simple because it's not easy to do, but it really is saying it's a one-step program, and that one-step program is me. I'm God. You're not. Trust me, a saving faith. Mm. You've left faith in self. You put faith in me. Trust me. Lean on me, and don't try to get out ahead of me and, and do it on your own. I think about you know Jesus talking about those two roads. One's wide and easy, and it leads to destruction. Many are going there. But to follow me is a narrow gate, uh, and the way is hard. And only a few find it, and and that narrowness is what you're just saying. We just when he steps, we step. We are we are devoted to him, and and he is who accomplishes everything, not us. And for human beings, that's a narrow gate to go through. That's exactly right. It's exactly right, and it is hard. We don't want to negate the fact that it's very tough, uh, because what you're going to have to do many times is ignore how you feel in order to walk in your faith. Mm. Um, those components a lot of times are competing components and to ignore how you feel is very difficult because how you feel takes over your whole human body. <laughs> it, it makes you, it make it, it, your feelings want to make the decision for you and tell you how to walk. But when we learn how to so depend on God that we're going to put a leash and a collar around our heart and demand that it follow the truth, then we won't be caught in the web of following our heart in spite of the truth. And, and, and it's important for us to learn how to do that, but that's not allowing your trial to make you walk away from your training. And that's what a lot of people do is the trial makes us forget about our training and you can't forget about your training in the middle of a war. We'll come back more with Jonathan Evans. Again, the book is it's available everywhere. Fighting Your Battles uh, by Jonathan Evans. And we'll continue this conversation when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, so let's talk about it. You may be listening to this podcast right now, and you already have your Raycons. So you're saying, look, you ain't got to sell me on them, Rick. I'm listening to the podcast right now on Raycons. But some of you may not be. Uh, so Raycons Everyday Earbuds, uh, uh, they look, they feel, they sound better than ever. And let me tell you one of the things I like about them, too, the optimized gel tips. You know, sometimes earbuds – 
They look silly. They fit weird. Um, with Raycons, they they fit perfectly in your ear. Uh, they're so comfortable. They will not budge. If you even if you're gonna say you're working out, and you've got these earbuds in, and you they're not gonna fall out on you. Uh, they're priced right. You get the quality audio that you would find in in you know any of the audio brands. It's superior to to some as well. But you're paying about half the price. Some of these are, are priced at a ridiculous level. You can get quality just as good at a, in a, in a much nicer uh, fit at about half the price of the other premium audio brands. It's, it's no wonder that Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. So uh, you've got the customizable song, uh, sound profiles. I'm listening to a podcast. That's one profile. I'm listening to praise and worship music. That's another one. You might be listening to sports. That might be another one. Uh, they have noise isolation. Uh, they've got uh, the awareness mode. I, I don't want everything shut out. I need to hear what's going on. I need to hear my kids. I need to hear what's coming up behind me if I'm jogging. Whatever you want to do. But the best thing to do is to go right now to buyraycon.com slash rickbubbapod today and use the promo code rickbubbapod. That gets you 15% off your Raycon order. So there's another 15% right there. Buyraycon.com slash rickbubbapod with the code rickbubbapod and score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash rickandbubbapod code rickandbubbapod. Jonathan Evans, our guest today. The book is Fighting Your Battles. Jonathan, how many books have you authored now? What, what, where is this one? What, what, is, this is number what? Well, I have two books that I've done with my dad. So yeah. I have uh, Kingdom Family Devotionals and Get in the Game. We wrote those together. Then I have Your Time is Now, yep. uh, which is one book that I had before this one. And then now I have Fighting Your Battles. And so that'll be uh, kind of like three <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see, I see what you're saying. But, but these, the, when you were talking about these codes, when you go through, because uh, you did that on the last book too, with these codes, you you go through, and I'm reading, but you're using modern technology for you and your wife to talk to me as well. Uh, this is kind of new technology. I, I wasn't familiar with it till I started looking at some of the stuff you guys sent out on your last book, and then the one your whole family put out, which was. Um, uh, incredible as well. But um, um, so when, how many of these are in this particular book? Yeah. So we have, um, it's about three or four QR codes. And so in every book that I've done, every solo book that I've done, I want to make sure it's interactive. And so I put the first book, Your Time Is Now, has a movie in it that you watch the movie as you read the book. And then this book has um, some trailers in it that we've put in there where we really, I really go in and discussing how I felt and what I went through with the loss of my mom and the eight mm. family members we had in, in the span of two years. Wow. Me and my wife sit down and talk. That's for all, all of the women who are listening. We talk and she does most of the talking on this part where we talk about our miscarriages and how we felt and how we dealt with that and what God taught us through that. Um, and so, and then at the end, I talk about some other uh, challenges that I've had in my life. And there's also a QR code for a um, soundtrack. The book comes with a soundtrack, both the first book and this book come with the soundtrack. So you can listen to my messages with music and all of those different things as you're working out. We just want to keep this book alive, the message of the book um, 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 swirling around in your mind, but also provide community for people so that they can listen and hear and see um, as they read the book as well. So it's a very interactive experience. It's not just uh, words on a shelf. When, you know, obviously you in a family with, with such an incredible legacy, 
Uh, and I remember your your mother's comment. You told me about this about early on um, trying to take away that concept from you that you had to wear your daddy's shoes. Um, and um, I, I've never forgotten when she took you into that closet and told you to put them on to see if they fit. And um, and and of course she was making the message that God has a call on you that is unique. You're thankful for the legacy of your family and and of your dad, uh, but you got to look for your own voice and your own call. And of course we, we've seen that happen. Um, talk to others. Cause you talk about when uh, the right out of the gate, the first chapter about facing these things in your life, these giants in your life that, that you've got to, you know, remember your call, uh, take them through the process of you figuring out your call. Yeah. I think that it's important. I mean, one of the illustrations there, I remember, uh, my son, uh, J2, we call him, he's Jonathan the second, we call him J2, throw a little swag on it. <laughs> but my my son, you know, played flag football, did a great job running around very fast, very nimble guy, can, can catch well, all of those things. Uh, but then when I took him to tackle, he was looking at his opponent and he was getting nervous and scared. He was looking at the other side of the field and he's saying, man, those guys are big, man, those guys are fast. And now I have to hit them, you know, this is not flag anymore. Yeah. And the size of his opponent made him forget about all of the ability that he had himself, made him forget about the plays that he made in the past, made him forget about his testimony. And so I had to put my phone in front of his face to show him his previous highlights so that he could remember his testimony as he goes to face his current test. And that's what most people forget. Most people, when they face their current test, They forget about their testimony, but it is your testimony, remembering what God has called you to, called you from, and and, and called you to become so that you don't allow your current test um, to make you back down when God is calling you to step up. And God called David to step up. He called him to step up to a giant. And David didn't see the giant the way everybody else saw it. David saw the giant in light of the God who called him. God had called him to become king. God had already... Uh, uh, got him to overcome something insurmountable, which was not even being chosen to come into the room, let alone uh, be chosen to be king. And so God had already had so much that he overcome in David's life that when David saw this giant, it was just another thing to overcome. And so it's important for people to understand that you have to remember all the things that God has done. And you can't forget just because you're, you're looking at a current giant. Yeah, you you think about you know Romans chapter eight. If he if God's with us, and who can be against us? And that's exactly how David David's whole commentary to his brothers and to the other is: Why are we letting this this opponent? He had some things to say about him, but uncircumcised and all that uh, blaspheme the one and only living God. God is going to hand this giant over to us. To your point, not because he opposes us, but because he opposes God. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. If we're part of God's army, there's going to be battles that he wants us to fight for the progression of his kingdom. And you say, well, why doesn't God just do it himself? Well, why doesn't a coach just get on the field and run it himself? It doesn't work like that. He works through the players that he drafted. He works through the players that he brought in and put them in specific positions for them to run his schemes and for them to obey his word and then for for them to listen to his voice call it in the huddle that we call the church, break huddle and face the defense that's on the other side of the ball, daring us to go public with the private conversations we have every Sunday. And so that's the way that he's designed the game is for his players, the church. He said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
He didn't say the gates of hell were not prevailing against me, that he's already overcome the gates of hell. He's saying, as we progress down the field, I'm using my church as the vehicle through which my word is executed against this very defense. And so we have to understand that that's the way the game is played. That's how it works. And you're on this team. And there is uh, always a battle that's going to be fought in order to score touchdowns in the game. You know, I had I had a, a dear brother of mine point out to me what you're saying. I'd never thought of that before with Matthew 16. He said, you realize Jesus is even telling us the gates of hell is a defense. We're supposed to be on offense knocking it down. It's not coming okay. after us. We're, you know, it, it, it's a defensive uh, offense is not after you. We're supposed to be knocking down the fence. And I think That's a lot of times the church plays defense when we're supposed to be on offense. That's exactly right. We're reactionary. That's why we're just reacting uh, to what the culture is doing. And that's what a defense does. A defense job is to react to what the offense does. And so because we're in a reactionary position, we're normally playing defense when God has already called the play. And the play is his word. He's telling us how to do it. And the way that you understand it is you read his word based on what you're going through so that you know exactly how to move, at least in principle, on everything that you're experiencing. So the church as a whole is moving forward and progression is happening. And so we have to move from reacting to being very proactive in what God is telling us to do in his word and not joining teams on the field. You can't move forward joining teams on the field. We have to be uh, the referees, not one of the teams on the field. The referees have the authority. They may not have uh, uh, deutimus, which is the word for dynamite, but they have authority. And, and when they throw that yellow flag or they blow that whistle, they shut everything down. And they have the backing of 345 Park Avenue, which is the NFL office and the commissioner sits there. We have the backing of heavenly places, the commissioner, God himself, one God, three persons who's sitting up there, who's calling all of the plays, and we're supposed to have the authority on the field while not joining the teams. We're supposed to be telling them what to do. 100% right. I, and, and this is – we'll come back on the last segment and we'll, we'll finish that out. But when, when we come back, I'll tell you something that, that I saw, and, and I, I know people watching and listening to this, they're hearing you and I throwing out Scripture. They're hearing you and I talking about this, and we're talking about that. But that's not something that happened overnight. And and I, and I think people are sometimes get overwhelmed because they're like, you know, I hear what you guys are saying. I hear what you're accessing, but I don't know the Word of God. I I I I don't know where these things are. I don't know what God has said. And we come back. Let's talk a little bit about some things that you could suggest to someone that says, I hear what y'all are saying today, or I'm reading Fighting Your Battles, I see this game plan, but one step that I haven't taken is I haven't accessed this power that you both are talking about uh, on all the things that the God that, that, that I know has redeemed me, maybe you're, maybe you're that far, but I don't know the game plan. We'll come back and we'll talk about that when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. So let's, uh, let's talk about the state of the economy right now. I know, I know, I know that's a Debbie Downer. None of us really want to talk about it. The latest inflation numbers are not good. Um, and uh, the stock market had its worst day in, in over two years just recently. Um, and you wonder why we continue to do some of the things we do. But I would recommend this, diversify. Uh, with gold and silver now, and, and the company that, that I want to recommend for you 
is Allegiance Gold. Now, I want you to listen to this. That can help you protect your IRA or your 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to the front door. Uh, Their approach is different, and that's why I want you to listen. Uh, They focus on educating and developing a long-term strategy that is right for you. You know, this is not some boilerplate situation. I mean, I need to—I need them to know what my situation is exactly, and then customize a plan that works for you. Uh, and Allegiance Gold has uh, some of the highest ratings in the industry: five stars with TrustLink, triple A rated with the Better Business Bureau, Consumer Alliance A plus as well. So, go to protectwithrickbubba.com. Put it together. Go to protectwithrickbubba.com. And, and get their best offer yet, up to $2,500 of free silver. Go to protectwithrickbubba.com. On a qualifying purchase, you can get up to $2,500 of free silver. Tell them Rick and Bubba sent you when you call them, 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. Uh, you can't control what the government's going to do, but you can prepare. Go to protectwithrickbubba.com. Dot com. Jonathan Evans is our guest. Jonathan, we have one more little segment together. The new book is called Fighting Your Battles, Every Christian's Playbook for Victory. You talk about, and I mentioned it, we started in Chapter 7, you know, going beyond just being a believer. Uh, you know, and there are there are many people that are that, that go to churches on a somewhat regular basis. I used to be one of these, so I'm not being condescending uh, or sanctimonious. And I remember thinking, I've been redeemed. I think I understand the gospel. I feel like I was sincere in my heart. I don't think I'm going to hell, but I'm really not doing anything, and I don't know anything about Scripture, and I know very little about what I claim to believe. And and part of that I use as excuses about, you know, hey, I don't like to read or anything like that. But but one of the things I wanted to talk about with this battle, because you talk about it here on knowing these things, I remember vividly, and I'm thankful God convicted me of that, that when we went through one of our greatest trials, and, and like you, I've been through more than one trial, but but the one that um, you know is 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 prominent is you know when you bury one of your children, and you've been through this with eight family members in two years. And I remember my wife uh, the next morning after our son had gone into eternity, and I remember my wife sitting on the couch, and one of our children, one of our older children, sitting at the other end of the couch. And my wife had that child reading Romans chapter 8 to her. And when Romans chapter 8 would finish, she would look again and say, read it again. And then it would go all the way through and it would stop and she would say, read it again. And, and I thought to myself, see, this is, this is a, a, a follower of Christ that knows where the answers are. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it says, right now, cover me in these words, remind me of these promises and then through the process, and my wife, like yours, is a devout follower of Christ, knows the Word of God forward and backward. But but, but the way the, the, the family works and the way the marriage works, she would come to me and say, now tell me again you know, what God is doing through the earthly death of our two-and-a-half-year-old son. And, 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 and I remember one time foolishly saying, well, you know these things. And, and we've already talked about this. And I remember her looking at me. I can still see the tears coming down her face in the kitchen. And she said, well, then you tell me again. And, and so you, you, that is the preparation. That is what we go to 
but what suggestion would you give someone that says, I've never accessed that and I don't know where to begin? Yes, and so I think one of the things that you discussed is very important, and that is the idea of repetition. Um, if you want to be good at anything, it's because you do it over and over. Right. Um, that's just the way life is for any athlete, for any preacher, for anyone who has a job that they love or are passionate about, for anyone who's called an expert. The only reason they're called an expert is because they've sat with that particular thing for days and days on end, weeks and weeks on end, months and months on end. It is not an overnight process, but it is a process of repetition. And a lot of people think, well, if I just read the whole Bible and read the whole Bible and read the whole Bible, well, sometimes it's a lot better to figure out what particular part of the Bible you are struggling with or what particular struggle you have that you can continue to go to the Bible with. And so uh, Bible answers those questions, but to keep it small, I think that it's important for us to understand when I was a player in the NFL, uh, we take that playbook and we would rehearse those plays over and over and a tra training camp was over and over. I mean, the same plays over and over because they didn't just want you to know the play. They want you to know the details of the play. They wanted you to know from your start to the finish. They wanted you to know even if the defense shifts, how you shift based on the defense shift. So we would run those plays over and over again uh, based on what the call was. And so what I'm saying is, is that if you have an issue in your life, something you're dealing with, what does the Bible say about that issue? Study that issue, rehearse that issue, stick with that issue. You don't have to feel like you have to move on quickly because what you're going through is not moving on quickly. And you wanna to continue to say those things just like your wife did, uh, Rick, when she said, read Romans 8 again, read Romans 8 again, read Romans 8 again, because the Spirit's job is to illuminate that which is already implanted. And so I think that one of the things we can do is grow in our knowledge of the word based on what we're going through and rehearse those things, not feeling not feeling like we have to cover a lot of ground um, uh, by having a long stride of how much of the Bible we're reading versus having a, uh, a good tempo in a particular area of the Bible that's most meaningful for us at that particular time. And then also it's community. Do you have the people around you yeah. who can reinforce to you based on what you're going through? Uh, this is not a individual game. This is a team sport. And if you play football, if you break the huddle by yourself and there's 11 other guys on the other side of the ball, you're going to get in trouble because the enemy comes with you and comes at you in a plethora of ways with a plethora of teammates who've been watching your game film your whole life. And so it's important that we have accountability. Iron sharpens iron. The brother is born for a time of adversity. Bear one another's burdens, therefore fulfilling the law of Christ. Uh, the Bible says these things because it knows that there is a team enemy. So we have to have a team approach uh, to how we do these things. And then the last thing I would say is obedience. You can read it. You can rep it. It's good. You can have teammates to reinforce it. But if you don't obey it, you still don't experience it. Yeah. Obedience has to do with doing and actually loving God. The Bible says, if you love me, you will obey me. So you can only love God through your obedience and obedience is the only key to access freedom from your circumstance. And so I want you to rep it. I want you to communicate on it and have community in it so that you're not walking alone. But we also have to remember that obedience is the key to actually experiencing the touchdown from the battle that you face at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So the book lays out very, very clear battles are part of it. 
and you got to prepare for battle. And um, Jonathan, this is great. This is another great book. And and I will tell you what he said about finding the topic that you need to study. You may have heard of this man before, Tony Evans. Jonathan, you may have heard of him. Yeah, uh, I think so. I remember him saying, and, I'm, and I've never forgotten it, try to find the first time that God comments on whatever topic it is. Because the first time he does it is when he gives you the most clarity, and then he builds from there. Sure. And uh, and that that has uh, that's certainly true. Thank you for taking time to be with us. I know you're covered up, and we all uh, my, the conversations in our time together. I certainly benefit from them, and I thank you for it. Uh, no doubt about it, Rick. Thank you so much for having me, and we're praying for Bubba. Thank you very much. Fighting your battles, every Christian's playbook for victory. It is uh, the latest book from Jonathan Evans. It is available uh, wherever books can be found. And remember, it has those QR codes for you to actually hear he and his wife discussing. Uh, what they've been through. Thank you for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba.